All right, so if you want to go ahead and turn to Psalm 23, that's where we're going to be uh, today. Um, obviously, you know this psalm well. To say that Psalm 23 is, is popular is quite an understatement. Uh, it's often quoted in pop culture and movies and songs, uh, really all over the place. And you, you can, it's, it's hard to avoid Psalm uh, 23. Whether you're a Christian or not, you are familiar uh, with this psalm. Um, and there's a couple of things that we can learn from Psalm 23's popularity. One, uh, just that just its beauty and its simplicity is just attractive. It's just, it just draws us in, whether uh, you're a Christian or not. Almost anyone that hears it thinks it's a, a beautiful uh, piece of work. Um, and then secondly, its popularity tells us that we can know Psalm 23, we can memorize Psalm 23, we can sing about Psalm 23, uh, we can watch movies or listen to songs about uh, Psalm 23, and, and actually still be incredibly far from what God wants for us through Psalm 23. Um, the reality is before people throughout the ages have recounted um, and used it to inspire them, there's the, the ageless one, the, the creator of all things that inspired these words. And his purposes are what we're after during our time. That The God of the universe is communicating something about himself and about who he is to us in this psalm. And this is a psalm, again, that many of our, my kids could recite to you. Uh, but this is not a, a, a psalm that's for beginners. This is a psalm, as we'll see during our times, that is is for everyone. Um, and so I'm just going to uh, read it for us, and then we'll hop in. And we're, we're just going to kind of, Psalm 23 really takes us on a journey. It, it really is almost like taking a stroll uh, with Jesus. And so we're just going to do that. We're just going to work through the psalm uh, in that kind of way. Uh, there's not like just perfect points along the way. We're just going to flow uh, with this psalm uh, and see what God has for us. So Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in cream pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so even if we just look at that first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I think even that, that, that first line, if, if we even just pause to consider it just for a moment, um, is, is actually one of the more uh, challenging, one of the more, uh, one of the lines that helps us realize, oh my goodness, there's, there's actually, I can know Psalm 23, but actually to live Psalm, 120, to live Psalm 23 is, is a completely different thing. Even just thinking about the Lord is my shepherd. It makes me think about David, the uh, author of this psalm. And obviously the, the intentionality he is using there, the intentionality the, the Holy Spirit is, is kind of inspiring him to use there. And the reality that, that David knew what it was like to be a shepherd, that David was for a period of his life a shepherd. And, and now David, the king of Israel, 
is saying there's actually uh, someone else that he is in need of. When David proclaims the Lord is his shepherd, he's saying that he is the sheep. And David knows quite well how how needy the sheep are for the shepherd, Uh, the one that would care and protect and and provide and care. Uh, David's saying that the Lord is my shepherd, that the Lord is the one who who leads and knows and cares and tends and gives and loves and anticipates and provides and withholds and protects, is present, whether in life or in death. And and because the Lord is our shepherd for us in that way, it, it leads to that second line, that I shall not want. And so we've got to unpack that a little bit. Uh, The the Hebrew word literally means to to lack what one needs. So we we don't lack what we need because the Lord is our shepherd. It says it another way in Psalm 34, verse 10, The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So I shall not want. Um, again, this is not meaning that we actually shouldn't desire or want things. Uh, it more clearly means that uh, because God is our shepherd, we have no lack. There is nothing that is of necessity that he has not provided for us. Brothers and sisters, that's a hard thing to believe in the midst of our life. Um, and really, if you think, look at this psalm, this is uh, really the... the the only action that we take in this psalm. Um, and it's action by inaction, really, if you will, that we choose to recognize that we need nothing, that we shall not want. In addition to all God has provided, we, we need nothing. Um, so, I mean, obviously, it's just uh, simple to consider what in our life do we, do we feel like we cannot do without? What in our life do we feel like Man, that is actually not true. God is not providing this thing that I am actually in desperate need of. Uh, to, to feel those kinds of feelings is, is what we, and what we often do is, is when we put God in our debt. Um, and I'm not talking about uh, suffering and struggle and, and, and going through that and the grief. And we've talked about that obviously last week and in other weeks. Um, but in life... Um, And in circumstances, um, do we acknowledge God's provision? I love, uh, we've turned to Spurgeon a lot throughout these Psalms, and he's really helpful here as well. This is what he says. He says, I might want otherwise, but when the Lord is my shepherd, he is able to supply my needs. And he is certainly willing to do so, for his heart is full of love, and therefore I shall not want. I shall not lack for temporal things. Does he not feed the ravens and cause the lilies to grow? How then can he leave his children to starve? I shall not want for spiritual things. I know that his grace will be sufficient for me. I may not possess all that I wish for, but I shall not want. Others far wealthier and wiser than I may want, but I shall not. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. It is not, I do not want, but I shall not want. 
Come what may, if famine should devastate the land or calamity destroy the city, I shall not want. Old age with its feebleness shall not bring me any lack, and even in death with its gloom shall not find me destitute. To realize the Lord is our shepherd is to mean that we shall not want. And this shouldn't lead to like a a gloom if we're thinking, oh, I shall not want, and we get depressed and sad about the reality of, oh, I I should actually, I shouldn't want. Then then we're seeing this psalm and we're seeing this God uh, in a completely wrong way. If we hang our head because we realize we shouldn't want, we're not understanding the God of Psalm 23. Is the Lord your shepherd? Um, is he who you call upon? Is he who's leading you? Um, he is the one that provides and, and longs for you to know and enjoy him and is provided for you perfectly. Uh, but consider, even as David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, is there anything that just keeps you from giving your life over to him? Maybe you're not a Christian and maybe you're considering uh, the, the things of faith. And, and so often in those seasons, we, we get in these intellectual arguments, but if we're really honest, there's something in our life that we just want to keep and we, we believe we know the Lord doesn't want that for us. I can promise you, brother or sister, that thing is not worth holding on to. When the Lord is your shepherd, He provides fully and completely. That doesn't make life simplistic. It makes Him just more worthy of anything else in this world that we could ever have. What, what keeps you uh, from fully giving your life over to Him. Even for you as a Christian, what, what, when in your life do you continue to want to hold on to um, that you know the Lord uh, doesn't want for you? Can you just be honest about how much help you really need, Christian or not? Can you be honest about how insecure you really are? Um, there is someone who sacrificed everything to shepherd you, to provide for you, to tend to you, to care for you, one who was provided for perfectly. Um, one who has provided for you perfectly. Confess your sin, confess your need, and, and turn and trust Jesus, His life and His death and His resurrection and His sovereign rule even now. Uh, may this passage show you the complete trustworthiness of this shepherd. And might you call upon His name. I love what John 10, 14 and 15 says. Uh, Jesus is saying these words. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. If we're going to think about someone in Psalm 23, it's, it's Jesus we should be thinking about. When he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you know him? He goes on to say, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then we, we see in verse 2 and 3 uh, really some particular ways that this God shepherds us says he makes us lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters that he restores my soul. If you think these are just pictures of rest and restoration, the picture of lying down in green pastures and being beside still waters and, and a soul being restored. And man, there's so many things that get in the way of us uh, living this kind of restful, restored kind of life. And I think, too, that, that kind of come to the surface for me as I think about this are, are just sometimes the inner turmoil that, that just seems uh, so consistent in so many of our lives. Uh, maybe it's past, maybe it's hurt, 
Maybe it's suffering, maybe it's sin, maybe it's struggle, just the inner turmoil that's caused in our life that keeps us from this or, or even uh, perhaps the, the, the cultural pace that we kind of find ourselves in. Just speaking of the inner turmoil, I remember I was reading this to a friend one time. They were uh, about to go into surgery, so I was just kind of reading this over them. They were going to have this time of uh, really kind of forced rest after this surgery. And, and I remember this friend, she just replied to me and was talking about, you know, lying down and she was like, just what if I, I don't want to lie down? What, what if I don't want to rest? What if I don't want to be still? Because when I am, I think about all of the horrible things I've done. And I just can't handle it. All the bad things I've done, all the bad things that have been done to me. And I just don't want to sit still because I, I don't want to remember. I don't want to dwell. I don't want to think about those things. You see, she had this view that, that really in those things that, that God was out to get her. So if you think God's going out to get you in that, he's, you're never going to want to rest. Uh, but he is not out to get her or to get you. He's actually out to save, shepherd, and rescue from those things, uh, from the sin, the suffering, the struggle, that you might enjoy him even in that. Is there anything in your life, is there any of that inner turmoil that's really clear that just keeps you from resting? keeps you from uh, just that picture of, of sitting and resting with Jesus. Do you see that God actually wants you to enjoy him? He is the cause of our lying down and resting. Um, do you have time in your life, any time in your life where you actually plan to just rest in the Lord? Again, if you look at this scene, what's going on? There's really not much at all. There's no agenda. They're just there to enjoy creation provision, and the one that is created and provided. I love what one commentator says. He says, these are streams and rivers where the sheep could drink without being rushed. The refreshing care of the shepherd for his sheep. Why do we all long for that? And why does it always feel so far from so much of us? So much of our time, so much of our day, so much of our week, so much of our life. Where we long to to rest where we can have drink without being rushed, be provided for and sustained without being rushed and just enjoy the shepherd and his care of us. And I think that's what, um, like there's a progression here. We see, we see that rest and we see it leads to this, in that rest that he actually restores our soul. What, what keeps us from doing that? What keeps us from enjoying this, this restored soul? Uh, again, the, the progression is we acknowledge the shepherd, who he is. Uh, we acknowledge that we, because he's our shepherd, we don't really want or need. And then we lie down and we rest. And then he restores our soul. And here's the thing we want. We all want something so much quicker than any of that. Because again, we desire this restored soul. But to acknowledge who Jesus is. To look at our life and say, because of that, I really don't lack anything I need. And to rest with this Jesus and to sit with him and to seek him. And for those to be the things that restore our soul. Um, it's, it, we, we just want the next, you know, even Christian self-help book. We want the next quick thing that will get us to uh, the restored soul uh, that we're desiring. But we see this progression that's not here. I love uh, a pastor in Austin that I enjoy, Jonathan Dotson. He says this. He said, we prefer busy notoriety 
overworked importance, and anxious control over complete provision of rest in Christ. Is that you? You prefer those things. Busy notoriety, overworked importance, and anxious control over complete provision and rest in Christ. What Psalm 23 is offering is this complete provision and rest in Christ. Again, there's, there's no shortcut to this. I remember uh, a while back we were going through a book. This was when um, I was at the village uh, called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And it's, it's a great book, a really helpful book that's uh, about practical ways we can pursue this rest in Christ. And the author of that book, he was uh, sharing with, a, uh, I think he was actually a clinical psychologist friend of his that he was sharing with. And he was like, I'm just so frustrated. I, I share, I go to these conferences, I share with these pastors about uh, things and practices they need to put, be put in their life uh, that, to help pursue, help embrace the limits they have, help pursue the rest in Christ that's available to them. And they all agree, they all nod, they all uh, shake their heads and they're all excited and then none of them do anything about it. None of them actually change uh, in any way. And his uh, friend responds, well, uh, of course they just keep doing what they're doing. Uh, He says, they're like anyone else, people that have lived off the adrenaline of getting things done, that our our minds have been wired to need that so we can hardly think about giving it up even for a moment. That that we're consumed with productivity. We're consumed with earning uh, approval of our own selves or the approval of man, uh, that that we... we, um, uh, find great resistance in our heart and our mind to lay those things down and, and trust and enjoy Jesus uh, in this rest kind of way. Um, again, there's there's no shortcut here. I remember even uh, just uh, this week I had, so I don't do this stuff near as much as I, I would hope. I, you know, even a lot of things we talked about on Psalm 131 where just practices we can uh, embrace in our life that, that help lead to um, really enjoying Jesus all the more. And, and I've I been able to incorporate some of those at times, but, but then often I'm just going through something uh, like a training or something where, where this is forced, and that was actually this week uh, where we were just forced to, to slow down, um, dwell on Scripture, uh, to seek God through silence and solitude and pray. And man, there's always just this process I go through of resistance, to uh, kind of getting, uh, settling down into it. Um, And not every time, but then so often the Lord is just so kind to meet me and move and care and tend. And one of the things I realized this time is just how often, still, this many years later, how resistant I can be to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, And sometimes it takes that longer extended of time. If I'm wanting a restored soul in all the areas of my life, it takes that longer Waiting, sitting, dwelling upon God's word, hearing it, reading, reading again, praying and considering. And the spirit just does sweet and deep work. Well, he did that this week uh, in my soul. And so I would just encourage you to consider that, to think about that. What does it look like to um, seek God in that kind of way uh, that we might, uh, again, not look for a shortcut to these restored souls, uh, but seek it. Uh, through the progression that we see here in Psalm 23. Uh, so rest and restoration, they just go hand in hand. Uh, and, and I think we can 
it's good to say we can have a busy schedule and enjoy a restored soul. Um, but I think we can't uh, just have a busy schedule uh, and, and just not care anything about uh, resting and uh, desiring restoration of our soul. And then he goes on to, in, in the next verse, to say that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so again, resting and restoration, and then we're led on basically what it just means, the right path, the path that, that God ha- has for us. Um, and it, it's the, uh, the outcome and the motivation is incredibly critical. We see that, that it's not just the path that matters. It's not just what we're doing, but uh, the motivation and the outcome. The outcome is for his, well, the motivation is for his name's sake. It isn't uh, for his, uh, if it isn't for his namesake, then it just isn't the right path. And even if it's really good stuff, if it isn't for his namesake, then it's not uh, the right path. Um, it's good to ask, what, what is your motivation behind the, the path that you uh, choose in life? Even small things or big things. I remember I was talking to another buddy one time and he was just, he was just a super kind dude, but he was like, like an inconvenient kind of kind. Like the someone that like holds a door open and the person just way just too far away, like you just gotta you just gotta go and and let them do what they're gonna do, and I was talking I was like dude or he would like stop and he'd clearly be the first one at the stop sign and he's like waving everybody on I'm like dude it's actually more kind just to go ahead and go, um, but he was that inconvenient kind of kind, and um, and I was asking him about I was like why why do you do this and he was like man I just want them to go on the rest of their day and think man that guy was just really awesome and really kind. And, um, and maybe there's something good about that motivation, but not much, at least. I mean, even his kindness was, was based on his own selfish desire to be looked at in a particular way. So even a lot of times the good stuff in our life can come out of a motivation to make much of ourself, not for his name's sake. I've struggled with this at times and uh, have to walk in much repentance in this area. I remember even uh, many years ago when I was first thinking about planting a church, and I, I feel like the Lord used so much of that time uh, to really expose a lot of the sinful desire I had in thinking about planting a church. I remember I would even ask people when I was uh, throughout the years, when I'm, when I'm preaching, uh, when I would struggle with that, I would say, God, would you just pray that I would just be about God's name and not about my own name? Um, and there's much repentance I've had uh, to walk in there. But when we are desperate for people's approval, uh, we, we just flip this verse on its head and, and walk in the opposite of it. We, we basically say, God, lead me in passive righteousness so my name will be great. And then when it's about us, we have to, we, we are forced to use each other. When it's about us, we're forced to use each other to, to get the affirmation that our soul is craving. Uh, but when it's about making God's name great, we are truly freed to love and serve each other. As, as, I, as I preach and as God's grown me in this, that, that when, I, when I preach, I, I, if I'm concerned about what you're going to think and need your affirmation, I, I need you. But if I'm just worried about making his name great, I'm actually freed up to serve you and freed up to love you and freed up to, to serve you with his word and not worry about what you think about me one way or the other. What is that equivalent in your life uh, where, where you're looking 
uh, not to make God's name great, but to make your name great. And you're in great need of people's affirmation. And that are, are you even aware that that desire is in you, that that's a struggle? Uh, I pray that God would make you um, aware of it. And then some of us are just pursuing paths that just are clearly not his paths. Uh, they are paths of our own choosing. Brother and sister, I would just encourage you, stop right now, reach out, get help. Let this moment be a moment you stop hiding in the dark. Let this moment be the moment that you stop living a lie. You cannot by your own power or will beat your sin. You can't. But you can reach out to a brother or sister, a pastor, and share the destructive path you're on. Don't wait until you're caught. Don't wait until life blows up. Just confess and invite someone into that. You're, you're fearing the consequences that come from that and the enemy's lying to you and thinking and letting you believe those will be worse than the consequences that come from not being exposed and not confessing. Brother or sister, if you're just on the clearly wrong path uh, and, and walking in darkness, just reach out and let a pastor know, let a brother know, let a sister know. Um, and get on to the path of righteousness. And even in that, God's name could be made great, regardless of what the consequences are on this earth. Um, so this is the path of righteousness. And this leads us on to verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Even when we're on the path of righteousness, they lead us beside both still waters of rest and then valleys as well where death is near. It's in times of suffering that, that our God is with us. Um, we see this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And so it's in times of suffering that we get to, to run to him. Uh, again, don't, don't run from him when trouble comes, when calamity comes. Run, run to him. He is present. He protects. He leads. Uh, and these do bring great comfort to our soul. Uh, another commentator, he says this. He says, depth and strength underlie the simplicity of this psalm. Its peace is not escape. And its contentment is not complacency. There is a readiness to face deep darkness and imminent attack. And the climax reveals a love which homes toward no material goal, but to the Lord himself. And so even in these times of suffering, what can be revealed is what our, our true goal really is. And sometimes they can even be times to reorient us around, no, I haven't been about uh, clinging to and and seeking the Lord just for who He is. Um, and, and we can use those moments, and we can use the truths of Psalm 23 uh, to lead us in that kind of direction. And then the psalm shifts in verse 5 um, and goes from describing God as our shepherd to our host. There's this progression in this psalm that gives the, the impression, again, that we're just kind of on this journey. This journey holds green pastures that we've seen, still waters, yet it also takes us through valleys. And finally, we end up at a table, a table prepared by none other than the great shepherd. Are you worthy of such a reality? Am I worthy of such a reality? Shouldn't, shouldn't we be the one making the preparations? 
Shouldn't we be the one cleaning the dishes, setting the table? But it has all been done. And we are invited to receive, and not because we've earned it, because our God wants to display his abundant, gracious, bountiful love towards us. We have a bounty to feast on. In the presence of our enemies, they no longer have the last word, but God does this. Brothers and sisters, this is a picture of God's ultimate victory in all of our lives. The enemies you're facing right now from within or without will not have the final say in any of our lives that belong to Jesus. This God lavishes more grace on you and on me, and he anoints our head with oil. He's consecrating us for himself. He sets us apart for himself because he delights in us in this way. And because of this, we can, we can all rest assured that goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Really soon, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But, but sometimes we, we actually think that that is when God's going to start being good to us. And, and now we just need to kind of grit our teeth and, and tough it out. That, that, that is a lie. God has been good to us. He is being good to us and will be good to us. And all of his goodness is bound to and available in this Jesus. Um, we doubt his goodness and then we go and seek it elsewhere. Um, but if you think about what's following you around, can you say that your life feels as if goodness and mercy are following you around all the days of your life? What, what, do, what do you feel like following you around? What do you carry with you most of the day? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Maybe your performance? Is it pride? Is it arrogance? What is it that you feel like just kind of following you around all the day? Is it just this anxiety? Is this this this, this under the surface kind of I just what this some foot some shoe is about to drop, something's about to happen, something's about to finally go wrong. Something's about to go wrong again. What do you, you feel like following you throughout your day today? Brother and sister, let us acknowledge the goodness and mercy that follow us all of our days. Christ is good in his justice to sinners. Christ is merciful in his offer of forgiveness to sinners. And we are comforted in any affliction by our God and given opportunity to comfort others with the comfort we've received from him. Uh, family, we have a new song in our hearts to sing uh, of our Savior's love for us. That's what gets to, to follow us around. We have life and breath to steward, to pour out for His name's sake. We have a community, a family that are, are united and hidden with Christ uh, to bear one another's burdens. In confusion and waiting, we have His word to rely upon and trust in plenty, we have the opportunity to be a blessing as our God has blessed us. These are the things that we get, uh, that get to follow us around that are His goodness and His mercy poured out to us. Our God just doesn't do good things, that he, he is our goodness. And so I, I just pray and I long for us as, as the people of Northbrook to continue to, to see Him and long for Him and, and, and cling to Him as our shepherd 
uh, being our goodness. May we be a, a people that, that, that enjoy him together and, and that get to continually proclaim the beauty of this Jesus, our good shepherd. Let me pray for us towards that end. Lord Jesus, you are the shepherd. You're a shepherd that tends and guides and protects. Lord Jesus, I feel like even, even those words just fail to describe your, your complete and ultimate care of our soul. That because of you, we truly are not lacking anything. Now, we can only say that extreme statement because you uh, went through extreme depths on our behalf. And then, Spirit, would you, would you help us believe that? Would you reveal so often in our lives when we don't? Would you reveal the ways that we long for other things to, to lead us and guide us outside of Jesus, things we turn to? Spirit, would you help us work through in our lives and with each other and with one another and uh, with you the things that feel like are following us around more and more than goodness and mercy? And Spirit, would you help us trust um, that the Lord is our shepherd and that truly means everything. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.